see where it takes us. This interview will be Ryan Key's eyebrows. And yep. Hello. Top of the head. I tried. I was trying to angle this, but I, I'm failing. All right. Let's start the show. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Jordan Phoenix Show. Thank you, everybody, for being here. My guest today, I have two guests today. I maybe only will have two guests from now on because I like two guests more because it gives me time to not talk. Um, my guest today is Ryan Key from Yellow Card. Oh. Hey, everybody. And we're joined, Ryan is, is joined by Adam Russell from Story of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new secondary. <laughs> That's how you pronounce it. It's unpronounceable by human <laughs> voices, but so um, yeah, here we are. I like so Ryan is in um, is in Los Angeles, and we are in St. Louis in the basement. Um, and producer Drew is lurking off camera off camera from Ryan. Creepy um, as fuck. Yeah. So we're building the crew. The crew's being fully assembled. Um, anyway, I guess we'll ju- I, we'll just preface this by um, this podcast is to celebrate a new podcast that maybe by the time this is out will be, well, should, we're going to drop this pretty soon, but... Um, by the end of January. Okay, yeah. We don't need right? to put a real... Yeah, we're, we're, we'll be out by the end of January. That's a, that's a confident goal. Tight. Um, thank the maker, pod. Shit, yeah. I've also been noticing I only say the names of things halfway right. Um, so thank the maker, pod. Is that what it is? Thank the maker, podcast? Thank the maker, podcast, yeah. Yeah, see, I can also... <laughs> I mean, there's a character limit on... Screen names, so yeah, yeah, user handles. Yeah, it's also kind of shitty that like uh, it's not like uniform. Like you could make a tight name for Instagram, and then you're like, all right, I'm just gonna lock that down on Twitter, and you're like, fuck, different character. Yeah, shit. we we got thank the maker one on Twitter. So amateur. Yeah. <laughs> so low rent. So low rent. How much money and to it, spend to get thank the maker? They won't. They have it, but they. I I had um you know I had my people reach out. Yeah. Um. And and hit up Twitter and because there is a thank the maker account, um, I'd have to look at it again, but I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with with Star Wars. Um, it's definitely it's, Jesus so it's actually right? I checked it out Which, again. By the, the way, other. Did, did we just say that this is it's a Star Wars podcast? Oh did yeah, we say that already. No, it's a slow <laughs> reveal. We're gonna peel <laughs> okay, the, okay. the layers well, of the onion. Well, anyways, twi- Twitter replied that they have some some rules about like they don't do that anymore, kind of thing. Like you oh. can't you can't request a a, a dead username. So they basically they were they were really nice and were like just check back a, a thousand times and maybe one time you'll get it. And oh, we that's were like, annoying. Cool. Thank the maker one. It is because <laughs> you can't use you can't do thank the maker pod on Twitter. It's right, one character too long. Isn't that stupid? Yeah, it would be thank the maker Poe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be a little that could be Star Wars in its own right. Oh, uh, good. Nobody's favorite. See what character, I did there? Though. What do you guys think about Poe? Are we in Poe Dameron? Yeah. Let's t- let's let's give a. A quick, just like uh, okay. I don't know. Right. We don't want you lead the. We don't want to bury too much too soon, man. We don't want to bury the lead of our own intro podcast. Let's just go over but. the stuff that is in uh, episode one, two, and three. We'll kind of burn it all out here, <laughs> just so that nobody has any <laughs> the numbers here. You know? our fucking, yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, Drew. Drew just suggested think the Maker Pod with uh, no A. D- dumping the vowels like millennials. <laughs> oh do. yeah, 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 yeah. We'll just dump we made, all we made a yellow car, We made a yellow card t-shirt with no vowels. It crushed. 
<laughs> that's how we get the kids. Why 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 LWCRD crushed? Okay. And I, and I remember actually I remember making that shirt, and there was a lot of we'll call it hesitation around the campfire. You know, like they're like no, kids dude, aren't this fucking that. stupid. Yeah, they're like we're not doing that. And I was like, yeah, we are. Yeah, we're doing this. And it's kids gonna, hate vowels. It's gonna be a thing. <laughs> Are you guys still doing? They even replace they replace vowels with consonants, upside down ones. <laughs> oh right, and stuff. It's because yeah, everything's so been everything's been taken, you know. So you're just like, you know what I mean? Like right. you're like, fuck. I guess I'm not gonna have my website be 140 characters, you know? Right, dude. I'm Phoenix DSGN because Phoenix Design is a thousand companies, you know. Dude, or you could just go full, just 180, and just grab whatever's available, like the, the SNL digital short. Remember with uh, what's his name? It was uh. Uh, I forget the name of the law firm. It's it's so and so law firm. We may not we may not have been the first to uh, to start a website, <laughs> but <laughs> but when it came time, you know, blah blah blah. <laughs> the website is www.clownpenis.fart. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Ryan Key. This is co-host Adam Russell, and you can find us at www.clownpenis.fart. Oh. <laughs> uh, Anyway, thank the Mike, thank the Maker Podcast. It's a podcast about Star Wars. It's two dudes in a band talking about non-band stuff, pretty much. Um, and we think we've talked recently about that's maybe going to be almost definitely going to be our thing. So there's a, a fucking million Star Wars podcasts out there. So to differentiate ours, it'll be more conversational, and probably just any guest that we have on, which we hope to have on frequently, will probably be a musician, somebody from a band. Yeah. And uh, that way, fans of those people can hear their their heroes or the people they like listening to talking about other shit than just the standard interview. Like, so where, how'd you guys start? You know, yeah. get into some cool shit that, that they may also be passionate about. Yeah, that, listeners. that's an interesting thing about um, interviews now versus interviews like pre, pre-podcast or even before is like you used to ha- have to kind of cover all the stuff because you're like, this interview is going to happen. You're going to see it on TV or hear it on radio, and then it's going to be basically gone. So and It like, might be the only the outlet. Only, yeah, and so like you're not, nobody's ever going to let you live down if you forgot to ask X, Y, or Z question, you know? And so basically, and, I, mean, I think that's fair, you know? Like yeah. this might be the only, but now it's like everything's so searchable. It's like if you want to find out, hey, how did Yellow Card get its name? You don't want to hear that on every single fucking interview, right? You know, you want to hear like, uh, what's the new website, uh, penis.fart.net, you know, right? Or do like, you know, do you know what they're still going to ask you in every interview though? What? How did you get your name? <laughs> even even though it's right there, at the touch of your tip of your finger, so you what's can just the story of type the year. <laughs> Fuck me. Think about how <laughs> exciting though, like an amateur interviewer was to think of that question for you guys. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. about to have friends for life. Clever, here. Right. clever. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like uh, you know, again, back in, the, I mean, unfortunately, like as a as anybody of note, like yeah, you have to just answer those questions over and over again because like once this thing airs, then it's gone, and then like people are that's right. the, that's the questions that people want to know. Yeah, but now they want to know the weird shit. You know, they want to get deep. Yeah. Or, yeah. or knowing all those basics about an artist, you would know that you would probably know that the two of us are Star Wars fans. So we get tweets, comments on things, whatever. When a movie drops, it's like, dude, can't wait to hear what you think about so and so movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So this is like a direct response to that, and an awesome opportunity for mm-hmm. us to just hang and talk about it, put it out. 
Yeah, and kind of a cool way to like curate what you're sharing instead of like, oh, look, Adam's drinking out of his QT cup again. Oh, let's see what he's making. Oh, what kind of his favorite brownie batter does he like? Like, that's the <laughs> dumb shit that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you're Madonna, maybe everybody can, or I don't know. Like, but I feel like you want to kind of curate the kind of stuff that you're offering because you don't yeah. want to take people with you 24-7. I feel like that's not healthy mentally for anybody, you know? Right. So you can kind of like yeah. be like, let's talk about this one little sliver of who we are, of who you guys are. Yeah. When you guys it's were also looking kind of a for like for adults, I would say. It's for grown up Star Wars fans, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. Like like we're coming at it from the perspective of how you know how we react to this stuff now at this point in our life. Yeah, two fifty like, year old guys just talking yeah, being, about being fans all the way until we got our AARP cards <laughs> is like part of the angle. Yeah. Yeah. I, what would a podcast sound like? What would a, what would a something hosted by like twenty year olds sound like, do you think? Dude, I actually listen about to Star Wars. Yeah, 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 about Star Wars. Totally they would, different. Would they would just talk shit the whole time about <laughs> but, how bad it all is. But dude, I actually I listened to a podcast um, last night and this morning, hosted by uh, two girls that I think one's kind of in her mid late twenties, the other's I think she's I want to say she's like thirty, um, and it was recommended via an article that I retweeted about Raylos. If you're familiar with the term Raylo, everyone listening. Jordan, I, I'm not sorry. Okay, so people who people <laughs> this who, is your nerd world, guys. So people just... who um, were fully invested in the idea of Kylo Ren and Ray being a couple, people okay. who shipped them, yeah, yeah, hoped for a relationship of them. That's <laughs> just I'm going fully into like millennial oh, yeah, okay. like internet speak. <laughs> yeah. So Raylo shippers, <laughs> okay, um, Raylo shippers. I hate you, dude. I hate you. It's a real thing. Hashtag. I hate that you know that, dude. I guess we do have a 20 year old doing the podcast. No, I, I, I like it. He's going to keep us in touch with the kids, yeah. man. It's be great. Dude, they're, they're, I, I'm going tangent after tangent, but there's a great podcast called um, Fuck, now I'm spacing out. It's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, riveting stuff. It's yes. worth forgetting. <laughs> um, it's about internet culture, and it's called Fuck, I always uh, mix it up. I don't want you to say it, dude. I, if I, I don't want to know. I'll, fi I'll figure it out later. But it's about internet culture, and they have a great segment at the end where their producer, who's a lot older than them, they play yeah. this game called Yes, Yes, No. So they, <laughs> they like, read a meme or something, and it's like, do you understand what this is? Yes. Do you understand? Yes. Do you understand? No. <laughs> and then they explain it. They break it down, and it's always just, like, ten layers deep of uh, internet bullshit. Um that, that would make me so much more angry at the world than I, I just listen to that. I don't know. Angry for, crazy. Angry on the level of like, I don't fucking understand anything. I don't get it. Yeah. You know yeah. that. So yeah. anyway, um, so the article was like, um, it was Raylos are uh, a bright light in the Star Wars fandom, talking about how there's so much toxicity and everyone just mm. being so disgruntled and old and crotchety and shit and how this younger generation of Star Wars fans who grew up with the prequels, you know, in their, like, you know, below that threshold of when they were old enough to kind of yeah. have experienced a bunch of stuff like we talked about before, um, kind of perceive everything differently and aren't turned off by the, by the idea of a romance being at the center of the, uh. of the story and things like that. So, um, so I went and listened to this podcast and, these two, it's one main host and kind of her usual co-host. They're fully on board with that. But they're upset about the rise of Skywalker for totally different reasons than other people are. So at first I was like, what's your problem? I was like so frustrated for the first half hour. I was like so mad because I love this movie. And 
then when they kind of got to their points and spelled it out, because they're really well versed in mythology and all like the origins of the stuff, the Joseph Campbell um, um, monomyth kind of themes. Sure. So I was like kind of put in my place like, oh, okay, they know what the fuck they're talking about. And while I don't fully agree with their assessment at the end, and I was kind of like emotionally frustrated a little bit, I was also like really my eyes were opened even wider to this huge spectrum of people who are bummed out for all different reasons. Myself not even aligning with them or the others. I like right, I'm right. seeing myself now in this wide spectrum. Yeah. And it's really fucking interesting. So I would love to have like, I don't know, if we get younger artists, there's gotta be some yeah. like twenty two year old like kid who's popping off in the scene right now who's fans who's a fan of our bands who grew up with the prequels and love Star Wars that we would have a great conversation with. I agree, yeah. I think we're also trying to keep kind of um, be, being a little deliberate about sort of just keeping a positive spin on it because sure. we, we've talked at length about, about like, why, why? Why do you let it make you so angry? It's, a, it's like a fantastical childhood journey yeah. that makes me happy. I don't want to get mad about it. Like, I don't, I don't like the prequel Star Wars movies, but I'm not, I don't necessarily want to go make a podcast episode talking shit about how much I hate it, you know? <laughs> like, there's enough negative bullshit getting spewed on the internet every second of every day. Like, yeah. so we want to just try to find a way to, like, talk about it in a way that maybe helps people be like, yeah, you know, you're, you got, you're right, you guys. It's, a, it's all good, man. Yeah. Ryan, you sound you know? like a guy that reads the comments. Uh, are you a guy that reads the comments? Um, in it general, depends. it depends. Yeah, it, it depends on what it is. Um, I I find that not reading the comments um, might be the healthiest thing to do. Yeah, you're it, you're are, you're right. You are it, correct. Unless it doesn't pertain to you, and then it's very healthy to laugh about how mean people can be. And about how civilization might quickly <laughs> come to an end because we've all segmented ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. But I think that reading, I mean, stuff like this, at least especially now at the start, is only um, followed by like the fan base is curated by people who are supporters, you know. So mm. any kind of interaction with like tweets or comments or stuff is going to be positive interaction for the most part, you know. Yeah, and whatever if, happened, if, and also if if not reading the comments, def, definitely not engaging. Like if yeah, I, if yeah. I'm reading something and it's like it's like terrible, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna engage. You know, yeah, you just take it and you push it down into yourself. Yeah, push yes, it down. I, hold, I keep it in the little dark vault of comments <laughs> in my soul. <laughs> yeah, that I've traveled with out. for being in a band since the dawn of Twitter, whenever that was. <laughs> just push and it down, all in and down. They're all the in there, just just cor corroding and. Rotting yeah. my insides. It's this compressed, like, coal mm -hmm. of, a, of a soul turd down in the colon of your soul. They're just like, it, maybe you know, one day it'll make a diamond, but what, until exactly. then it hurts. What if they found out that all colon cancer was caused from reading Twitter comments? <laughs> Great. Maybe they'd shut down Twitter. <laughs> I would say. And the world would be yeah, a better place. No, they I'll just cut that. your colon out. Right. You're not getting rid of Twitter. Twitter's yeah, not right. going anywhere. Twitter over colons all day. <laughs> yeah, you go straight from stomach to asshole. <laughs> right yeah whatever happened to whatever ha okay like let's be honest none of nobody here loved solo right i liked it a i lot. didn't ask if you liked it a lot nobody loved it my point is uh, 
Yeah. You, I think you, I, okay. Like, you listen, I think I loved it, but I didn't love that. We talked about this. I, I, again, don't ever want to like be spewing too much negativity yeah. uh, out. So I have a big point of contention with the film, with the casting of the lead actor. Yeah. But, the, but <laughs> yeah. the actual, yeah. the story of it and like the, the Star Wars fan stuff in it, I sure. can confidently say I love, I did, I loved it. I loved, oh, yeah. loved yeah, yeah, yeah. Lando, you know, loved like the sort of, um, and kind of had a more, in the same way that Rogue One did, like the, what they did with those Star Wars stories, it was a little more like grounded and felt sort of like it sat more in a real place and like yeah, a little bit stakes. less of a fantastical place than sometimes yeah. the Skywalker stuff does. Um, so yeah, I, I did love it. I just wish they would have cast someone else. It was a super like, fun adventure movie. Uh, adventure movie. Well, and I guess my point is just like, like, it's better that it exists than it doesn't exist. Dude, that's, that's for, like our thesis statement for the podcast for sure. I think yeah, about yeah. that about X-Men all the time. Uh, t most X-Men movies are kind of garbage, but like, mm -hmm. dude, they're all great because yeah. X-Men is fun, you know? None of them yep. make sense back to back. There's like new characters every time. They're, you know, just when, they, just when they start giving you that glimpse of like, oh, shit's, they went back in time, so now shit's going to start making sense. Then they release, re-release. But dude, it's fucking X-Men. It's fun. They're doing crazy shit, you know? I feel like the same yep. way about Star Wars. And when did ever become, why can't we just, why can't we acknowledge something is bad, like you guys refuse to do, and then, <laughs> but then, but then laugh about it, and like, and, and you don't, you're not like mean about it. You're not like, yeah, and I wish they would fucking find that guy and right. put him in a grave. Right. You're like, yeah. <laughs> like, but, but, we could be silly about it, you know? Yeah. Dude, I just don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think I wouldn't admit it. I just don't, I don't think it's a bad movie. I know, I know. Right. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, dude, Lando was fucking tight too. Oh, I mean, dude, dude. oh yeah. boy, so tight. Crushed that role, killed it. His first few lines, he sounds exactly like Billy Williams. His yeah, like off screen yeah. when yeah. you first hear him talking. Yeah. yeah, I've been watching him since Community, a Community underrated show. Uh, I mean, it's such a great show, and um, he's just like um, Danny Glover. Donald Glover. Danny Donald Glover. Glover. Danny Glover is lethal Don weapon. Donald Glover. He's 70. He's, I do, I, I'm telling you, I think I might be going senile a little bit. I have Danny Glover. Donald Glover. Yeah. We're Donald, not, we're Donald. not, we're not young men, you know? I know. I'm far younger it starts, than you guys, but. It starts now. I. It's really scary, actually, but, oh, we don't even talk about that. <laughs> Donald, Danny Glover, Donald Glover, Dong Lover. Thank you, producer Drew. That. That's why you need a producer for the dong drops. Um, no, but dude, I mean, once you see, you know, like when you see somebody who's kind of like introduced and you're just like, that person's going to do great things, mm -hmm. you know? He, for me, was one of those. Do you guys have people like that where you knew early on, you're like, this person's going to explode? When you, you see them, like for in their first film or something like that? Yeah, first film, maybe like like a first band. You hear a band and you're like, this is going to be, uh, Panic at the Disco is another one. I heard shit before. I heard like a like a demo before, like Pete Wentz demo. And me and my buddy Johnny were like, this band's going to be fucking huge, you know? Because you could just tell that it was like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Do you, oh, that was the power. Um, We're still recording. <laughs> still works. <laughs> it's just lights. Um, Yeah, do you have anybody like that? Can you uh, think of anybody? The, the first one that comes to mind... Um, I always get way too invested in shit. So a lot of times those are kind of false positives for me. Yeah. But I do have things where I'm like, even if this person isn't the most famous or successful, they're going to do great things in some way. And for me, it was my friend, Steve Aiello, um, who's the keyboard and bass player in 30 Seconds to Mars. Mm. He was in a band called Monty R.I., 
who toured with us early on, and I was like, this kid's fucking smart. He's going to do great shit. Did I think I did. I know 30s? him. I, th- I think I did a co-write with him. Yeah, he's way, a writer. Yeah. yeah. Did he? Did he get into Thirty Seconds? Like, or he's not a, like a core member, but he's like a. I don't know how that. Right. Is. It's just Jared and, and his brother that are official members these days. But he's like, he's he's in, in the band yeah. for all intents and purposes. Yeah. That's tight. He wrote like ha- wrote that whole record with Jared and everything. So the, the recent one. Really. He's crushing. Wow. That's exciting. Did you guys Ryan? see that? Um, did you see that performance? Of that song on, God, was it Ellen? Was it the Ellen show? Where they were all, the band was sitting in the audience? No. no. Oh, man. <laughs> it, it was that Walk on Water song, you know? Sitting in the audience, like, as like, a joke? Uh, like, the the, cra- the curtain opens. I don't know why I was even watching this. What what, what led me to that? Nice recovery. Know. I'm not a daily watcher of Ellen. I don't know. I it's literally not. I just I don't know what made me watch it, or I might have even watched it like on you know someone said, dude, you have to see this, and I watched it on on YouTube or whatever. But the curtain opens for she's like thirty seconds to Mars. Curtain opens. It's just mic stands, <laughs> no band. Oh well. And yeah, and then the song starts, and like they pan out to the audience, and Jared Leto starts singing. You know when he's wearing his like um giant blanket thing it's like <laughs> yeah. multicolored like the coat of many colors tr- truck stop at the border thing <laughs> sure but like like baja sweater thing yeah and and he's he's so he's sitting there he starts singing he's just sitting in the in the crowd with you know with all these all these women sitting around him and you could tell everyone's like oh my god jared leto and chorus comes in and it, it was dude I hate being a shit talker, but it was the most, it was one of the most uncomfortable performances by a band I've ever seen in my life. They, I, I they, was waiting to see which way this so, was going, and now I want to so see it knowing it was the uncomfortable. The chorus comes in, the chorus comes in, and the entire audience and the band stand up. They, they stand, choreographed. They oh, stand no. up. They sing the chorus, and when the chorus is over, they all sit back down, and they do it, they do it the whole, the whole song. And then at, at one point, uh, at one point in the middle of like a, in the middle of a verse or something like this huge choir comes in, you know, like a, this huge kind of gospel choir. So you're you're watching. They're all sitting down and like up in the back left of the audience, this whole gospel choir just like stands up you know, and like, hey, surprise, we're here oh and starts singing. It, it was it was a strange television performance. This That's is all, something, my point. something that I feel like conceptually could seem like. Oh, really? This could be a really artistic, cool, the, like totally. The different audience thing. just seemed really uncomfortable. That's I what I mean. I see by that. All yeah. I don't. Sound- I don't. I don't think Thirty Seconds to Mars did anything shitty. I just watching it was like, these people are really not. They don't know what's happening. They're not. This is not. They're not watching a band perform. They don't know what they're. What is happening in the room? It was. It was strange. Yeah. It sounds but, like a genuine idea. It's like okay. Now everybody gather around. I have an idea for a performance. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be hidden. In a small Mexican um, <laughs> headdress. <laughs> Go on, Jared. <laughs> right? It's not. Uh, I wonder also, don't you think that, okay, I'm, I have not seen what you're talking about, but I feel like you painted a good picture, Ryan. Um, wouldn't it be better if he was wearing like a mustache and like a, you know, uh, and like some goggles and was disguised? Disguised. Yeah, and, and then like, guys. and it and it shines. Uh, you know, the like, camera goes to him, and the light shines down, and he peels it off, and then he starts singing. Because you could imagine the women around him; that would be the performance is and watching dudes. them have heart attacks. <laughs> yeah, I can't. And you dude. know what? I mean, 
I need to watch it again because now I'm sitting here. I'm just thinking. I'm trying to replay the whole experience in my mind, and I don't remember what the drummer what his drummer did. I, I don't. I don't remember how that worked out. Like he was obviously oh, yeah. playing some type of percussion, like a shaker or something, in the crowd. But I can't remember if he like got up and walked down to the drum kit and played alone on the stage. Or, I don't remember. <laughs> but dude, it's, it was um, yeah. That dynamic like stage dynamic and everything is so interesting because it is, it has now just been the two of them as like core members for, for so long. Yeah. Jared and his brother and Shannon. Shannon. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they still have a guitar player. They still have a bass player, keyboard player, friend, Steve. So you should have Steve on. All right. Adam's going to be, do all the, uh, what do you call it? It's not producing. Um, the booking. He's your book. He's the booker. Booking, booking agent. Yeah. If you guys need booking, he's Adam at the skull.net. That fart and uh, yeah, yeah, he'll get you good guests. Am I becoming like uh, the dude on the late night show that sits behind the podium off to the side or uh, <laughs> yeah. at the fucking the the uh, the band leader desk or whatever? Yeah, isn't it funny though? Those shows feel so irrelevant that I couldn't name you one of those people. I'm like, who's the guy on Jimmy Fallon? Because those shows just feel don't those shows feel like they're just meant to be like clip farms now? Like they're just yeah, like remember the, remember days, when yeah. they were like almost almost kind of journalism even as well yeah. you know like yes. they, yeah. people like cared about creating and, and delivering content that like was propelling people's thought process but i don't think that's the case anymore no i agree and they they used to also kind of be like god maker shows you know like if you would get well obviously like with carson but even letterman and you know you like i'm just thinking about comics yeah. like that was the yeah. goal was to get on late night and then like you made it right and now it's like you want to get on like joe rogan's podcast or right. maybe yeah. mine <laughs> Yeah, you want to get on the Jordan <laughs> Phoenix show. <laughs> yeah. Still taking comedian submissions. We're looking for Con our first. Contact, it could be you. <laughs> contact Junior Booker Adam Russell. <laughs> yeah. At clownpenis.fart. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, to go back to movies and whether or not we love them and whether or not we feel like we need to expend all this fucking negative energy on the internet and everybody to be a keyboard warrior and a film critic and all this shit, there is a great YouTube channel a dude named Patrick uh, Willems. I think I mentioned this on our podcast. Um, he does these video essays about film. So rather than writing a big, long-ass article, he does these amazing video essays, speaks to camera a lot, shows clips. He's a filmmaker himself. His One of his most recent ones is called A Mild Celebration of Pretty Good Movies. It's his season finale for 2019. <laughs> oh, I love that. And it's about the idea that like movies don't have to be the best shit, the most perfectly written yeah. Uh, story that you've ever heard to still be fun and be valuable yeah, as right. entertainment, you know? And he talks about, like, national treasure and shit like that. Like, oh, I, have, I have a great example. I have a great example of that. One of my uh, closest friends, um, like, of most of my life is staying with me in L.A. right now, and um, he's never seen Bad Boys. Never seen it. Dude. He's, oh, shit. He's, he's, an, he's an, like, a, a really successful actor as well, so I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm amazed he hasn't seen it. But, but I think that those films both one and two fall into that category that uh, like perfectly but we we ended up we haven't watched them yet because and not that this website which is a whole nother conversation not that the website is gospel but i didn't realize that bad boys is like 40 percent fresh and two part two is like 23 percent fresh on that's Rotten insane <laughs> dude bad and boys 2 in my opinion is the the best bad movie in Hollywood history. It's so good. Did you it's, see, by the way, phenomenal. speaking of bad boys, the tomato meter came out today for bad boys and it's at like 83. Damn. For bad boys for life. Yeah. Wow. Fucking A. 
I'm so, so pumped, dude. I, I requested off work a year ago for that. I'm pumped. Bad Boys <laughs> 2 is in my top 10 movies. I'm of flying all. in. Oh, really? I'm flying yeah. in. Dude, book it. It's cheap on Southwest right now. It's weird, too. Uh, the whole tomato meter, it's an interesting rating. It's it's pretty, you, you know, you can basically find a good movie if you go by that. But oftentimes you can also feel find a really shitty movie if it's got a hundred, you know, it, especially like with like weirder kind of like. More, Indie stuff that might not be your flavor. Yeah, and it's yeah. like at a hundred percent, and you're like, oh shit, and then you read the. I think you, know, you have to know. I think that website is subjective. You have to know what you're looking for. Like, right. like people forget that you're looking at different films of like, in different genres and different. Like, if you're not a fan of this certain style of film, that's a hundred percent fresh, as you said. You know, like some mind bending three hour long sci fi thing that's like really slow. But but if you're a like complete cinephile and you're watching it and you know moved by whatever part of it, the cinematography or the you know right. the themes of the script or whatever it is, like you get it. And then it's there's no fault in like not getting it. But the difference is instead of just being like, oh, I don't really get it, you have to go on the internet and <laughs> completely defecate all over this pe- person's piece of art because you don't understand it or you don't like it. Right. And yeah, so I think Rotten Tomatoes in general should be just should be a little more subjective because you know, there's like Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker is a great example. I mean, it's, you know, I think 50% is is actually a really um, good topic for discussion on Rotten Tomatoes because that means it's yeah. like actually literally just polarizing. You know, right. 50% of the critics love it and 50% of them hate it. And that's, that's a really interesting dynamic. But um, the audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes for Rise of Skywalker is in like the high 80s, I think. Yeah, yeah. So for all of the, you know, the shit storm of, of disgruntled, fans out there it's like well there's like hundreds of thousands of user ratings on that website for the movie and it's in yeah. it, people people thoroughly enjoyed it and loved it and felt like it was a fitting into the story so i just it's subjective i think and, and, it, and it's like it's in the eye of the beholder as far as like what you're looking for on rotten right. tomatoes you know what i mean mm-hmm. and the last jedi was the opposite it was the flip opposite. Um, yeah yeah so uh, 90s right for the tomato yeah. meter and then audience score was 50s or something yeah I know. I, I actually think it's well. It's ninety one. I'm pretty sure. Damn. And that, but the the um, user rating is in the forties. Damn. Yeah. I always think about it like this. Um, if I'm trying to, you know, I only okay. I only um, ask people who have the same taste uh, in food as me for their recommendation. You know, right. like on on some place to eat. And so, um, <clears throat> like, oh, you like the same kind of food I like. So, you know, I'm going to ask you where I should go. I feel like. Ratings are almost impossible for me to take into account because I've literally never fo- submitted a review or a rating or whatever for anything. So I'm like, all the people that are submitting these are people that are not like me because they're the yeah. kind of people that write, you know. It will take by the, the way, time to do it. Yeah, period. please take the time to rate and review Jordan Phoenix Show five stars. Uh, you can uh, the link in the description. Uh, they are really important to me. And um, you can you, you can, can submit your rating at uh, clownpenis.fart. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan Phoenix review at clownpenis.fart. And if you still have any energy left in you, you can uh, go to Thank the Maker Pod and five star review there. There's no episodes up yet, but um, <laughs> you can preemptively know that what you've heard about it, Pre- you dude. Unplug can your you keyboard. Put it past type. this world we live in that now we're, that we could have pre reviews. <laughs> yeah, Fuck. you're like these guys sound like they have a good idea for a podcast, dude. Well, that's where we are with movies. <laughs> like, there's the movie that lives on the internet in that discussion that starts with teaser trailers. Builds all the way up and, you know, incorporates link, uh, leaks and all that kind of shit. 
and then there's the actual reaction to the movie, which is not mutually exclusive right. from the pre-conversation. It informs, it creates all these expectations and all that shit. And I think that sucks, man. It is. <laughs> I don't think it's yeah. good. I think about it with like Game of Thrones. Like you know, there's no way that those that the writers on there and and like everybody. Everybody had these like ideas for like the way that the story could go, and the, and and you know that that stuff had like if me as a writer, I'd be, I'd be like, oh, that's a fucking good idea. Maybe we should do that. Like, oh yeah, this is a, like you know what I mean. Right. Like, and it's kind of maybe it's exciting, maybe it's awful that like the audiences you know have the ability to change the trajectory of a story. That's kind of wild, right? Internet yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yes. The, the the ability for for the the internet to just preconceive the whole the whole concept you know yeah. like you're you're going into it already how you're you know without that that i the idea of just going and putting your ass in a seat and watching a movie with wide eyes like oh i have no idea what to expect we talked about this a little bit on the first episode of the podcast we had like a pact um for the for the force awakens where with a few friends uh, together were were not allowed to watch or read anything about the movie until we went, saw the movie and it was legendary which i wish it was always like that I scream at people when they try to show me like trailers or try to talk about stuff. I'm like, my my wife get away. This get yeah. Away. Before watching movies like on iTunes, um, you know, renting them, my wife will watch a three minute preview, which is basically a fucking synopsis of the movie. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I watch the first four seconds. I'm like, I dig the cinematography. Good, let's go. She's like, no, 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 I want to watch the whole thing. And I'm like, why don't we just watch? Sometimes we just will watch previews. I'm like, that was a good movie. Why don't we choose to be surprised? <laughs> yeah, <instead>. exactly. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. What is like even worse than that? This is like post Vine culture now distilled down into entertainment. Is the bumper for the trailer before the trailer? Like <laughs> up next, yeah. Bad Boys for Life trailer with like a like a four second little just like yeah like yeah, a, like just fucking yeah. part of <laughs> like. Yeah. If there's like a, like a Super Bowl or a, or a big football game or something where they're like at halftime, the world premiere. Of whatever dot fart film, yeah, and it shows the preview before the preview, yeah, yeah. It, but yeah. that's now built that's into insane. the actual video file that is uploaded to the YouTube channel. <laughs> like you can't even skip it. Mm -hmm. Like, god damn it, it's so dumb. I think, I think we might be onto something here. Podcast number three, where we just sit around and we do allow ourselves to exercise some of this negativity that's that is stored in that coal hardened down in our guts and we just sit around and shit talk man yeah just shit talk at we all should maybe no podcast vowels. directly from the toilet yeah no vowels oh yeah. you guys should do it for, you guys should both do it from the toilet yeah live from the toilet think the maker pod <laughs> you could get a sponsorship by like Charmin or something you know yeah you'd be like now time to wipe all that shit up with refreshing Charmin ultra and then after we'll brush our teeth with that uh Toothbrush uh, <laughs> sponsorship you're trying to get, whatever it is. I'm, no, the, I'm vibra off, the vibrator. I'm off of the vibrating mouth dick uh, sponsorship. Um, shout out to, oh, no, I can't remember what they're called. Uh, not important. Tushy is my new thing. Tushy, if you're listening, I want a sponsorship because I want like a, the bidet I want a, kit, right? a budget bidet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you're not going to go for the full like Japanese toilet seat? No, I am also, but I figured no. out that once you do one, if you spend a thousand dollars on a toilet seat, you can't then also be wiping your ass in your other toilets like a barbarian with toilet paper. So <laughs> once I make the move for the thousand dollar toilet seat, I either have to go. We have three toilets in this house. I either have to go three thousand dollars. That's yeah. a lot. So or maybe get sponsored. 
Yeah, exactly. And then I'll have the the real place that I shit that I don't tell anybody about, you know, and then I'll, you know, do a little maintenance on the tushy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you got to uh, be thinking about sponsors early on, you know? Sorry to derail our talk about our assholes, but... Uh, <laughs> It'll find its way back there. You're fine. Going back to that. I brought up the coal again. It's my bad. (laughs) Going back to that, uh, the internet conversation informing or influencing writers and movies. One absolutely clear example of this literally happening, thank you, producer Drew, is Sonic the Hedgehog. The reaction to the the CG. People didn't like it? People were so bummed uh, on the first trailer and how Sonic looked and... um, his teeth and his like everything about him that they pushed back the release and went and redid the character. No. Yes. No is that bad or way. good? Yes. Is that bad or good? It's what bad. do you think? It's terrible. I think it's That's bad. terrible. But in this case, they did improve it. All I'm saying is, okay, if you say like, it's, I don't like the way that this guy acts, it's like, well, that's what it is, dude. But if it's CG, I mean, it's like you have the that, you have dude, the, you're now you're telling a story that describes a major motion picture studio on a on a Tons of millions of dollar budget for a film. Let the trolls win. Yeah, that's straight true. up. They but, straight up let internet trolls dictate their their business. But who's who's that's better? Crazy. Who's better? Who's better and who's worse? The trolls or the multi conglomerate faceless corporation that's putting out Sonic the Hedgehog? You know, <laughs> this is a valid question. <laughs> like, who, you, yeah, man. Who's because I do think. Trolls are kind of fun, you know what I mean? Well, okay, when it's to be silly, when it's to really be a troll, like when it's to just like be like, I just like fucking with people because like my job is kind of boring and like I just love to get home and just like, you know, shit it out and just laugh. I think like cynical, satirical I think I actually like it. Yeah, like like a cynical, satirical troll is is funny, but like a, there's there's also a not cool kind of troll, you know, so. The ones that are like, truly aggressive and, and intend to do harm. Then you feel yeah. sad for them. That's right. I either, I always, it always goes in two buckets. It's either, oh, this is sad. Like this person is on the edge of their life, you know, or you're like, oh, they're just really love to fuck with people. Well, dude, it's, yeah. it's, it's the yeah. equivalent. I mean, the analogy is uh, banter, busting balls versus bullying. Right. In real life. True. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's that. So um, but that's crazy but, about that movie, man. That's crazy. Yeah, and so it it raises a question. I think this is an example of something where, like, um, like we have freedom of speech and we have a court system and a correctional system, using real generous fucking air quotes here, <laughs> uh, to keep society in line and have laws and shit, right? Um, but there are examples of free speech that are harmful and that are hateful. Um, so we're going to have bad shit because we have to ultimately like keep it fair for everyone and to just be to just like for somebody to be able to be you know judge jury and executioner on someone just like wild west style and to be able to shut down speech the result may be good in specific cases but if you start doing that stuff you go down the slippery, slippery slope, slope where you right. lose democracy and you lose all the shit yeah yeah, I think the Sonic thing is is and an example. Does anybody care about Sonic? Really, it's like yeah, just well, you could have let that not be CG. You know? But yeah, it, but it's, it's an example of like you meet you f- you meet a rapist in the street and you shoot him in the fucking head and he's dead and maybe that's a good thing, right? But it's ultimately not if that's the way we live our lives. And I think that's, the Sonic thing it needed to be helped. And I think more like the hive mind of the internet rather than trolls are what influenced because right one of the 
one of the most viewed videos on it was by this uh, YouTube channel called Corridor Crew, these dudes that are VFX artists. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they do these reacts videos, and they talked about the CG, and they pointed out, like, kind of the flaws in the things and how it... Um, how they could do better. How they like, could do better. Yeah. And you actually see, it's almost like the artists at the studio took notes and they're like, oh, yeah, they're right, yeah. Yeah, these these black values here don't match the actual environment, and I'm going to change this. And so... It's fucking. But tough, where does man. that stop? But where exactly. does that stop? And I exactly. think that's your point. And slippery I and slope. I agree with you. It's a slippery slope because at what point are is the hive mind now just the filmmakers? You know, the yeah. hive, like, hive mind is it. You know, has its own tyranny. There is some. So there's some art in imperfection. You know, like like I think about because ultimately what we're talking about is like getting towards perfection. You know, the 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 consciousness of the hive fixing the things. You know, obviously the more brains that are on something the the better quote unquote the more perfect the product's going to be we were just talking about this with adam's drawing like adam does these these drawings or uh, digital drawings uh on his little tablet and uh they are incredible they're incredible they're, they're picture perfect but that in itself i was giving him shit is perfection is the problem because you already have the photograph i'm like dude if there are 10 if, if let's say it takes you 10 steps to to create this i'm like stop at step number two because st step number two is like imperfect and interesting and like kind of fucked up and like looked like a drawing and by the time that adam's done with it it looks it's like perfect and you're like you know what i mean like the beauty is in the imperfection so in in that case the value is one i'm learning so it's like a study for me and then uploading it as a time lapse well, that is, is the interesting fun. part. If I just yes. put up the picture, it'd be like, oh, you put up a picture. Right, you're right. It is very fun to watch. Yeah, there's value in that. I guess I just selfishly want, you know, to be able to hire you to do things for me that look like... Give me the money. I'm ready. Do a picture of your dog, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's got dog pictures. Dog pics. Where, uh, you want to let the audience know where they can order their prints? At... Um, Adam the Skull Prince at uh, clompenis.card. <laughs> I was waiting for yeah. <laughs> It seemed like you were going to forget to plug it. You got to plug that shit. Yeah, dude. Thanks. You always got my You're back. Welcome. Links in the description. Um, all right. Let's talk about this man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we can get to Ryan. Uh, there's one thing I, I really want him to talk about, and then whatever you have on deck, this is your show, obviously. I didn't prepare for it at all. Go ahead. Uh, were you in the text when we were talking about the comic? Nope. So Ryan Key, my friend here, this person wrote a fucking Venom comic. Really? Yeah. Let's yeah, talk about that. Yeah, Venom of the uh, the Spider-Man universe. Yeah. Universe. yeah. So um, how long ago was that? How did it come about? Tell us a story. Is this uh, out guess, or is this a yet to be published? Yeah, it's no, it's out. Years. Really? It's out. I, I think it was 2018. Yeah, had to have been 18. Um so I went to the Marvel offices um, at some point when Yellow Card was still touring. Um, I was in New York and, and got invited to go there. And when I was walking through the offices, it was awesome being there and seeing all that. But I was walking through and I they were like, you want to see that you want to come meet the Star Wars people? And I was like, uh, duh. <laughs> so I uh, went and met, you know, the editing crew for the star wars comics that were yet to be released they hadn't they hadn't actually put anything out yet but um it was a big thing with marvel and disney that they were going to expand the universe and the canon through the use of the comic stories and like you know the stories would be approved so that they would play into the films sometimes and stuff like that so cool. anyways i was meeting this whole team that was there and in um 
the group was like a, um, I'm not sure the exact term, so Charles, forgive me if I say this wrong, but like a junior editor or something, you know, assistant editor, was a um, huge Yellow Card fan that I've known for years and de- decades, a couple of decades. Um, and he was like, hey, man. And it was I hadn't seen him in forever, and, I hadn't, you know, I don't know what show I would have seen him before that. So anyways, we met, and he was working on Star Wars, and he was super excited, and we connected and exchanged numbers and stayed in touch. And one day... Um, um, my, this is so douchey to say out loud. My publicist emailed me, um, and I get, and so my friend Charles had contacted him to say, Hey, I have this opportunity that might be cool. And so the email was just, Hey, looks like there's an opportunity for you at Marvel to get involved, um, with an issue of, of a comic book. And, um, would you be into that? And I'm, of course, I'm like, dude, this, what is it? That's amazing. Yeah, let's go. And it turned out that they were asking for like one-off writers. So it's not like a series, you know, I'm not like a writer on, on a full series of books. It's just, they hired like, and I don't actually remember how many different books there were. I think five maybe. So the series was called Edge of Venomverse. And if you remember, I'll take you back into some nerdy stuff where the Edge of Spider-Verse was a series of comic books, which is now an incredible animated film. Yeah. Um, and the premise behind Edge of Spider-Verse, which Gerard Way from uh, My Chemical Romance wrote an ep- uh, one book in that series, and that sort of kicked off his whole comic book writing thing uh, with the Umbrella Company, all that stuff he does. So anyways, he wrote um, the one about, like, the... Uh, I, am I wrong? It was J- a Japanese girl in the movie that has, like, the robotic... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man. Right. So he wrote that issue. That's and that, Gerard and Way's the, issue? Yes. So they're wow. on the Yeah. Um so so what that did though is it played the all of those books played into a new series. And I can't remember what the new series was that that they were like prequels or they were sort of in a way, right? So this thing that I did was part of a series called The Edge of Venomverse, which played into a series of comics called Venomverse. Um launching it. And so right? what launching it with like yeah it was like it's kind of like setting up how all these different characters were going to come into the venom verse right so it's like telling the character's own story before they they sort of attach to the symbiote and and go into the the next story so um i i wrote a story that was like kind of um aliens inspired like um, I wrote a, it because originally they were like, just write whatever you want. doesn't have to have any, any connection to Spider-Man or, or Venom, like in a way that connects to the comic books or previous stories, anything like that. They then preface that or, or follow that up by saying, but also remember that whatever you write could just, it could be awesome. And then at the last second, the, the Marvel could just be like, nope, we're doing something totally different, you know? Right. And that's the way that shit works. So I wrote this story, story about like, this family that was in some like outposts in space and then they were kind of like enslaved sort of like slave labor camp style system that they lived on. And like this, this dude, like his family gets kind of kidnapped and anyway, and anyways, he becomes venom through like the, the symbiote arrives on the planet on like a shipping freighter kind of thing. And I had this whole thing and they were, Charles was stoked on, he was, dude, this is really cool. And like, like I was totally trying to channel the kind of aliens, theme for it um and then he was like but as i told you they might completely change the game so here are characters that you need to write and here's what needs to happen and um randomly uh, not only had i seen we had all just seen logan the film 
but um, Old Man Logan, the comics I read because of the film, I had just read them, and the character they gave me was Lo- Old Man Logan, which was no so rad. Yes. To connect. So, I was, in. so he's I was, in yes. your... So he's, the whole, my whole book is about Logan like 30 years after the books, the, the Old Man Logan comic books, 20 years after. So it's him and Hawkeye. Which is and, where, uh, in, in relation to the movie? Uh, it would be after the well the the movie like how far from the movie no the movie is is not um the same as the the movie was inspired by but not the comic it's not the books yeah, at all because he like dies or something at the end of the, the, the film oh yeah the yeah. film the film <laughs> was completely forgot. it's its own story the, from universe. from the actual yeah. the old man Logan kind of graphic novel like series of books whatever gotcha um, I read it in one book because it was like but I can't remember if they came out in separate issues or if it was actually a graphic novel I can't remember but either way. So, so in years you just follow him. He's like in a nursing home. Yeah, it's they, like so the adventures I, of him. <laughs> it's like a I zany re- comedy where you got to break him out of the nursing home. <laughs> I, I a spider gets like into re- his adult diaper. His claws are stuck out so he can't do anything for himself. They're like, they don't retract anymore. <laughs> he can't eat. Um, <laughs> it's got a feeding tube. But so I, I wrote, I had to write very much connected to the old man Logan comic books. Like I had to include this giant dinosaur they had in there. Um, kind of the villain, a couple of the villains from the main one, I had to write them in. So they gave me very specific guidelines of what to write. And, you know, I'd never done it before. I'd never written any kind of like fiction or, or like scripted work like that. So I just did the best I could. And I'll be the first to say, I don't think I like knocked it out of the park. I mean, I, without experience and the beat beats and timing of a comic book and how, you know, writing tons of them, it was just, it is what it is. But to get to have the experience of doing it was like just, you know, priceless, man. I mean, it's something I will never, ever forget. And getting to like be on the phone with people at Marvel all the time and getting emails from Mar, you know, and like, like getting directed on how the story, sh- you know, I got a lot of help from Marvel, which was awesome. They were, they included me like in the process really, um, like a lot along the way. And I think the thing I took away from it most was not necessarily like, Oh my God, I got to write a comic book, which is amazing. But again, like just me being my, my own worst critic, like I don't think it's like riveting Pulitzer prize winning fiction, you know, like I did the best I could, but learning how a comic book gets made from start to finish, like top to bottom was so cool. Such a cool experience. And like the first, the first time you see, you're like, here's what we're thinking for the cover art and you see it and you're like, Holy shit, man. Like that's my story. Yeah. And there's there's a cover and it says Marvel on number five on it or whatever, you know? Um Yeah, Drew's showing so, us the cover and it looks wild. Yeah, they, there were two. There were there were two like um there was one like more limited cover and then the main one was the one with the big the T Rex. Yeah, that's it. the one we're looking at right now. Dude, it's so yeah. cool. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Dude, I actually I reread it a few days ago. Because I went I just walked into Barnes and Noble one day right after I found out and just read it there. Uh, yeah. At the shelf. Um, Thanks for supporting Ryan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was on my break. Um, so I reread it the other day and um, it's fucking great, man. Like, oh, thanks, dude. I'm not a comic book reader. I've owned comics in the past just to own them. Because you like, can barely read it all, right? So I know. was uh, it hard? I mean, it's nice there's pictures, I guess. You remember Hooked on Phonics? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't work for he me. He really likes pop-up. He likes pop-up books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Touch stuff. Um, yeah, the Star Wars pop-up books are a big hit with yeah. him. Did you feel like a superhero after doing it? Like, to, I imagine, I'm trying to put myself in your position. Like, once I would do that, well, I'd be like, I guess I'm going to, like, drive for NASCAR now. Like, 
You know, like you just well, like do something you're not like qualified to do and you and you right, do it yes, and then you're like, the I can do anything. Like I can do anything Dude, I want to do. Was, that was the thing, man, is I felt so from start to finish, I felt so unqualified. And I'm not necessarily a, a comic book reader either. It's very it's random if I'll I'll pick up a, just a single thing that I'm like, oh, I want to check that out. But I'm not religious about it. Sure. Um, and, and, and I'm not a collector or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, for example, the, the Logan books I read just because I was like saw some stuff online about how different the movie was from the books and I wanted to read it, check it out, you know. Um, but I felt just I felt so unqualified and being a fan of of, you know, sci fi and fantasy and fiction and the way that I am, I I it wasn't out of my mind sort of the having respect for people who are collectors and comic book readers and just knowing like there there's no way that this is going to be like on the level of if you got someone who was a full-time comic book reader you know to to write a comic book um but let's be honest so, they so have they have a lot of those people already like that's the whole angle right do, is that but, they have a but, unique voice like you're the unique voice that they yeah, are excited well, well, about so, having so completing it was like such a amazing feeling such yeah. such an incredible feeling to be like I did it. I did it. I did this thing. And all the time they kind of had this hanging over your head that like, there's no promises that it's actually going to get made. Like, um, no, I, I think it was, they had everybody, everything lined up and that's why they were hand kind of like doling out the characters so specifically, Okay. like this writer is doing, doing, um, Captain America and you're doing Logan. And it was so, um, and then all of those books ended up, you know, playing into the actual series, which is called Venomverse, which came out a few months later. Um, so but it was dope. cool. I did like some, I did like some comic book store signings for it. You know, it's just, a, it was a new world. It was <laughs> yeah. really, really cool. That's surreal shit, dude. Thinking about, yeah. like you said, the process being in communication the whole time, it's, it had, it had to have been so out of body. Like, it was, holy fuck. It, but it was also, it was also something, the coolest thing about it to me was that it, it was my friend Charles who had been such a big yellow card supporter. Yeah. Um, but also became a friend over all those years, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I was working directly with him and he had my back big time yeah. um, and he was just super helpful, like knowing that I was in over my head, you know, like fish out of water kind of, he like helped me find the water, so to speak. You know, he was, he was just really cool about giving me great direction um, and notes that were super constructive. And it was, it was awesome, man. I wonder, I would be willing to bet that he probably didn't have that job or even any job maybe in the field when he started listening to Yellow Card, right? Oh, a teenager, right? Yeah, no, he was probably like 15 when he yeah. started listening so, to Yellow Card. Yeah. Isn't it kind of wild to think that, like, there's this whole, you know, group of people, you know, that were, like, majorly influenced by Yellow Card, by you, and yeah. now they're all just, like, doing big boy shit and, like, all these Adults different... in positions of power? Dude, <laughs> yeah. He, he's doing big boy shit now. He's, uh, he doesn't work for Marvel anymore. He moved to Seattle and is, like, a scriptwriter for Activision. Wow. Oh, damn. Like, yeah, he, so he's right. He's in the room, like, working on Call of Duty, like, the script and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's intense. That's, like, it's wild. Like, you, in some small way, are influencing or have influenced that person that is then creating this stuff that you're enjoying, you know? And it, like, all goes around and, like... Yep. I think of uh, Blake Armstrong, the uh, artist that did the the, um, artwork for the music video that we... Story of the Year miracle video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, Words. Yeah. This dude was just, like, a fan of Story of the Year back in the day, right? And now he's like this incredible artist that does stuff. He did the Sonic the Hedgehog uh, poster, movie yeah. poster. Um, the That last Ghostbusters movie, the Terminator Salvation poster. Like he's on all this big shit. The, 
the creative firm that he works for does these like illustrated movie posters and graphic design. So he's, and the only reason that he took our call <laughs> was like, he's like, Oh yeah, story of the year. I fucking love that shit. Yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to yeah. do something. And you're like, Oh, that's cool. That like now he's doing stuff that we're like, Oh, look at that shitty Sonic movie. No, uh, <laughs> but he did the better I'm, version. Um, yeah. But you know, and it's looking, like weird how it goes around, you know, I, I'm looking at his, so his name is Charles Beecham and um, Beecham. Shout I, I out need to Charles. give him, Need to give him the love he deserves because yeah. he got the, this whole thing for him. But I'm looking at like Marvel.com, his, his credits on there as as an editor, and it's I mean there there's mine, and it's just crazy. It's like Guardians, and Hawkeye, and Secret Empire, and all this stuff, and then there's my little Venom verse book just on the website. It's That's crazy, wild. dude. It's, it's fucking crazy. sweet, dude. Yeah, I, it was it was really cool. I would love to do it again if if I had the opera if if I ever got the chance for sure. Um, I want to. I want to ask you about the process, but I first want to say that despite what you might feel about your writing, I guess like any artist, you do something, you put it out and instantly you're like, oh, this is shit. This is terrible. You like question all of your own stuff like so often. Um, But I, what I really loved about it because there are things about comic books that I don't like, like the language style a lot of times and like the really to me like childish almost like it's, a lot of it gets forced down your throat like yeah. this is what's happening yes. if yeah. you can't figure it out on your own yeah, yeah. really like tiresome exposition a lot of times um <laughs> yours had and I, by the way i struggled with that in, in the editing yeah. as far as like when i was writing it the direction i was getting was that it it, it it needs to be more like that and i think you can read that in the book that i had that i did some of that because you have to like telegraph the story along more right. than I thought you did. As yeah. a, and I learned that along the way. You're like, that's a bunch of 40 year old guys reading this. It'll be fine. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, cause there's, you don't have, you don't have moving pictures. You don't have um, all the subtext that comes along with that. Right. And you also have a limited number of lines of dialogue or anything like much more limited than you would in an actual novel, you know, without right. the graphic element. Right. So, yeah, I can see how that's hard as hell, this, but I, I think you did a great job of, like, you were eloquent in the way, it, like, kind of in the linguistic style of it. Cool. And I didn't think the exposition, exposition was too heavy-handed. I thought it was awesome. I appreciate it, dude. And then the thing is, too, it, it, with this one in particular, I'm not sure how much the you know other comics would be like this or whatever, but this was really interesting in that there was such a predetermined, um, like, A to B for, for me as the writer. Yeah. I mean, Marvel mm. came in and said, here's your characters. We need to end up here at the end of the story. And there has to be a T-Rex in it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so and how I did, was like, cool. That's so, fun. So how did you write that stuff? And what was your like sort of back and forth or was there back and forth with the artist? Were you writing almost like screenplay style? Like, yes. um, Are like, you write it like, like a script, like present tense active, I yep. guess is the voice, right? Like, uh, yeah, Logan walks into a room. He sees this. Yep. Exactly how it's written. Nice. Exteriors, um, you know, um, exterior of the mansion, night. Right. Hawkeye and Logan are walking, you know, that, that's exactly how you do it. That's fucking awesome. So so was there yeah. kind of a, a back and forth and dialogue with the artist? No, I didn't see art until the, all the dialogue gets done and approved um, and like, and, and you know, each one is sort of like known what the panels are going to be before the artist does anything. So wow. after... So you're you're completely finished, and then the artist does everything to the script. And are you are are you sort of notating as well in the script what we'll see in the panels, or is yeah. someone else? Yeah. Okay. 
yeah, you you really you get really descriptive with what's going on in the in the frame. Um, so it's I'd almost have to go like, look. I'd have to go look back at how exactly it was spelled out script wise. I can't remember if you say like panel one, panel two. I'd have to look. Um, but I know that you know they tell you kind of like this is how many panels per page probably, and this is how many pages. So we got to fit it into this. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of constraint that you have to work within, um, which can be a good thing too. You know, I mean. Help, help keeps you from going off the rails and just randomly re penning stuff for hours. But, um, but it the seeing the art was the coolest part of the whole process. Oh, dude. Like what, writing imagine. it all was great, and then and then getting the the email of like, hey, here's the first pass at the book, you know. And it was like you open it up and you just see this thing you made come to life. I mean, I imagine it's what people, you know, making a film feels like when you watch it for the first time or whatever. It, it felt very much like that. So yeah. it, was, it was cool. I always think about this with like Stan Lee, like, you know, the, the father of modern day comic books, you know, like one of, um, it's weird to think that he didn't like draw anything, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And you, and right. I always wonder like how much of, you know, the Hulk or anybody that, you know, Wolverine, like how detailed did he write out? Like, this is what I think he should be versus like how much of it was really the artist's interpretation of, you know? Yeah. How how like interactive is that process relative to filmmaking, you know, yeah. like a lot of story and filmmaking, especially in star Wars universe lately is informed by concept art. So Lucas or Kathleen Kennedy, JJ Abrams, uh, John Favreau, all of them are like, here are my ideas. Artists go. Right. And I, they'll bring back stuff. And that back and forth inspires in this like feedback. Next, loop. Right. Right. So it's weird to know. But even the, the original Star Wars films, when when Lucas kind of stepped back in different capacities, it was like at that point they're running off of his just original concept for, you right. know, I have these characters and I have a general outline that these spoilers ahead, by the way, y'all twins were separated at birth and, right. you know, they're 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 strong with this, you know, this energy and, and magic spoiler spoiler the, the force. force it's called um <laughs> and uh, you know what i mean so then the, yeah. that was like that those characters as as in any character that stan lee would have created i think you know he had the foundation and then it, it's incredible to see obviously where all of those characters have gone over you know 50 years time or however long it's been i mean it's wild i mean yeah well, it's wild how like a you like a literal universe can be created by yeah the spark of like what you're talking about, you know, this like simple sort of story of like these separated yeah. twins, like, and now, you know, it's like, it's insane how it's like a real universe, you know? Yeah. Oh it, yeah. Yeah. I think about it every time I watch a new Netflix movie, I'm like, Oh fuck, here we go. A whole new universe. Of, <laughs> right. Like this is somebody's yeah. life work. <laughs> All these different yeah. names of shit. I'm, I'm watching the Witcher right now and it's like, Oh, okay. Here's a whole other fucking thing. It's I'm like it's yeah. kind of like this other thing, but now the but now witches are this, and you know you're like that's just crazy that somebody just made that up. Harry Potter. Did, you're like there's a whole world, dude. And that is. Did you end up watching Game of Thrones or not? You did not watch it. Me? Oh, I watched the shit yeah. out of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh um, my god. Yeah, but so good. There you go. There you go. Like this this kind of creepy dude that writes stories about people <laughs> sleeping with underage girls and their created, sisters and their sisters and their, yeah and maybe the sisters are in the room while yeah. it's happening they were participating who knows so uh, and then he built a multi-gajillion dollar industry off of that it's crazy yeah what but, you got but dude that that very thing right there where you're saying sometimes a person or maybe a group of people create this entire universe out of thin fucking air out of their brains that, if nothing else, I think is one reason why we should all just pause before 
we let out of our mouth or out of our fingertips onto a keyboard criticism about people's art, whether it's music, this or that, like have respect for the fact that somebody created that shit and that it does connect with people. Might not be you. Yeah, or, off, or, or offer your criticism in a way that is, is for the, you know, the original concept of, the, of becoming a critic. Like, offer your criticism in a thoughtful way. Right. That's it. That's all you got to do. Right. No one's saying we're silencing your voice, internet trolls or whoever. We're, I'm just agreeing with you and suggesting, like, just say it thoughtfully. Like, explain what you're feeling. Yeah, pump the don't, brakes and think about what you're saying. Don't shit all over it. It's just and exciting to click, have a for voice. Clickbait, you know? Yeah, it's just it's I think it's just exciting for people that are like, you know, no I'm just some nobody that lives in Iowa. No shade on Iowa, but let's be honest. And then you're like, maybe if I say something <laughs> fucked up enough, Ryan Keel be like, I, I hurt my feelings or fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. the more you know, and I kind of think it's it's sad. I do know. But it's I do know. <laughs> but it's like you know, fuck you, Iowa Sith 420. Well, and <laughs> you said my name. Do you hear it? That you might be like their favorite person ever, and they're like the only way that he, if you're like, hey Ryan, I I love Ocean Avenue, you're gonna be like, okay. But if you're like, it's the biggest piece yeah. of shit I ever saw. You might you might that's be like the one you see. That's the one you see, it's and that's so the one that you might comment back on. And then they're and then yeah. they get what they wanted was just like a connection. We're all just longing for connection, you know. Just when the kid is just flopping around the mall floor, ignore it. Don't give it the attention at once. You got to yeah. just, you know what I mean? Yeah, that happened to me the other day. It was very awkward for everybody there, but well, I was at, like, this well, is how he learns. Adam and I are really good at giving parenting advice to people because <laughs> we don't have any kids. Give me one. What do you got? What's a good What's a good tip that you see a kid in a store or in a place? Just set, set a scenario up for me and then tell us what the parent's doing wrong. I was in the mall. Oh, I no, I would be no, I'll be no good at this. My my kind of advice is like Well, that's why it's it, fun. Oh, if the kid the kid wants like four different things in Toys R Us and if they don't get them they're just going to keep screaming, just buy them the fucking shit. Just buy it. <laughs> All right, there you go. Just buy it. See, but that's why I'm not one. I'm not a I am not a parental unit because I know that's wrong. Oh, but I also know how bothered I would be by the screaming in the pu in a public <laughs> space. So if let's say that like snap your fingers and then you just have a kid, it might already oh, have God. happened. Uh and then uh <laughs> Somebody shows up on your doorstep and they're like, he's yours. And then she gets hit by a bus. All right, you're raising this kid. What do you think in that alone. moment? I'm raising the kid alone. Yeah, yeah, you're raising the kid alone. Um, we're shooting a sitcom about it. And in that in that toy store, do you think that you, I know, so you know that you would want, I mean, we all know that giving the kid the toys is the easy thing. And, you know, yeah. in that moment, yeah. what do you think you do? Do you do it or do you, do you? Well, I mean, from being parented myself, yeah, um, and and being a, a kid who had a very charmed life, didn't want for anything, but also didn't get all everything. We didn't get to go to Toys R Us just because we were bitching about going to Toys R Us. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, if I was in a situation like that as a little kid, I got, and I think it worked very effectively. Just just the just the hand on the arm and the beginning of the countdown. Never <laughs> even actually needed. Never actually needed to even go to the full on spanking or anything like that it was always the the fear the, the fear, fear of god <laughs> the fear of the wooden spoon on the ass cheeks yeah. you know was enough to quell the tantrum for the most part for me did you so you got so, spanked that was in your in your life little uh, tap on I, the bottom I'm, to, I'm i'm told that my my dad 
like one time, you know, when I was two years old, three years old or something. And then he was like, I'm never doing that again. I, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to do that, you know? And so it was, so duty passes to mom. She's like, mom, you're going to be the spanker. And at that point, like we, yeah, no, it was like mom would pop you on the butt with a wooden spoon. It wasn't like we weren't like getting pinned down to the floor and beaten for our mistakes. You, you know didn't what I feel mean? the full Southern wrath. <laughs> no, no. I, ne I never felt intimidated as I got, as I started to get like older, obviously, you know, I wasn't like, I, I was like, oh, it's fine. I get it. And yeah. then it stopped. Then there was no more. That wasn't a part of our life anymore. But right. as a little kid, it was enough to, to the threat of it happening was enough. And so I don't know if that's good parenting or bad parenting, but I know that it, I never felt like I was being abused by my parents. And I also would stop crying if they grabbed me by the arm and said one. Right. There's two, a consequence. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. Okay, yeah. I don't need it. I don't need the toy. And they probably came, obviously, like, gener you go every generation you go back, everything kind of softens a little bit. And so, like, maybe they weren't using a wooden spoon. Maybe they were, you know, and then their parents. <laughs> I think about that. You kind of, you always give your parents oh, yeah. kind of a pass because you're like, whatever fuck-ups they had raising you, you're like, your My, grandparents treated them a lot shittier. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of the Southern, the, the Southern wrath that you, you mentioned, my dad's mom would just full on go outside and, and get a, we should call it a switch. Yeah, switch, off, sure. of a, off a branch, come back in and just tear up your backside with it. Fresh from the tree. Yep. That's, don't make me, she'd say it. Don't make me go outside and get a switch. <laughs> well, yeah. She'd so for him, it. he's probably like, I mean, I guess I got to hit him with a spoon. Like that's like the nice thing to do. I think you know? he, I think he, my dad, he's a bit, my dad's a big, he's like six, three, like he's a, he's a force in yeah. a room. And I think he, whatever happened, you know, it was a restaurant, he took me to the bathroom and spanked me. And like the fear in my eyes, he was like, Oh I, no, I don't want that. Like, right. Probably kid, connected you know, him kid, to thinking kid's going to be afraid kid. of me. Yeah. yeah. Kids going to be afraid of me. He, right. didn't, he didn't want that. My thing with kids, honestly, dude, my, my greatest nightmare, my, like lose sleep over. If I had a kid, what is airplanes? I, I it, <laughs> for all those whole, kids you want to throw off airplanes when you're on dude, one? the whole process, <laughs> the whole process of, of that and, and being, my age with no children, you know, and like, I, I just, dude, I can't even, I can't imagine having to deal with that. Good, good, good on you to all the parents of the world that navigate airports and airplanes with your children. Think about like the frustration and annoyance of, of all the drama of it. And with also the layer of embarrassment being the person when right. if, yes. the kid's just going yeah. ape shit and everyone's looking at you like you yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, until noise canceling headphones, you might have a reason to be like feeling really bad. Like, I'm sorry, this kid, I know you didn't, you know, you didn't sign up for this. But I, at this point, I'm like, yeah. if you don't have noise canceling headphones, you fucked up because you knew there was going to be a kid on here and you knew he was going to be screaming, you know? Right. If you could buy yeah. the plane ticket next time, skip well, one flight and buy those uh, Bose headphones, you know? Dude. Well, it was on a. I was on a flight back from somewhere in Asia on a, on a tour and I, it was just me. Um, my buddy Josh who played bass in the band and our, and our tour manager. And, um, <laughs> we're, we're just sitting there and play as soon as planes up, as soon as the seatbelt signs off, um, this little girl from like a row or two in front of our tour manager, just, she probably three years old, something like that. Just come cruises back, climbs up in the seat with him, just climbs on his lap. <laughs> Starts and then sitting there and then turns around, starts kind of, you know, like messing with his face, whatever. Mother is just sitting and sitting up there reading her magazine. Never came, never nothing like didn't come get the kid or anything. The kid just eventually gave up and left and went back up front. But like there was no 
That's insane. Free range parenting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll try it out. We'll see what happens. <laughs> is that is that a method? I'm sure there's a book. Oh, about that's that. a that's a method because we have friends where we'll be out at dinner. Um, I'm gonna try and be as vague as possible so I don't lose any friends. But <laughs> and their kids just like out like walking around talking to their tables, and I'm like, you know, maybe not. Don't do that. Like they don't. Your kid's cute to you, but those people think that kid sucks. You know, like. But I get it. It is kind of like you don't. It's the problem is there's this overcorrection right now of, of uh, helicopter parenting where you're just over your kid all the time yeah. and you're like, and that's terrible. That you're is like, like a dog leash parent. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you don't want to do that. But like all free range is ridiculous too, where you're just like, yeah, yeah let them fly the plane. You know, you're like, oh, kid belongs in the <laughs> yeah. fucking seat, strapped down. My thing, um, obviously, like you said, not a parent, but my sister and her kid lived with me and my ex-wife when between the age of, I want to say two and six. So there were like times when I would take my nephew out and I don't know, I don't want to claim to have done any parenting, but I had him on my own out and around a handful of times when he was really little. And there was one time in a grocery store where he just, we were kind of in a hurry. He really wanted to look at this like end cap of toys or whatever. And I was like, no dude, we can't. And he uh, got super bummed, eventually started crying. And by the time we we got out the door, because we were going through the checkout line, maybe five minutes, but he was like fully screaming and crying by the time we got to the door. And I didn't like spank him or I didn't yell at him, but I was just like, dude, do not do this to me. Do not do this shit in the store and embarrass me right now. And I <laughs> like got so bummed at him and wouldn't look at him, you know, put him in yeah. the car. I was like, nope, don't talk to me until we get home. Yeah, I'm not doing this shit. And he got so bummed out. He like thought I hated him. Like, he was yeah, so see? he was so bummed it's hard. and like that. It's really hard. It almost would have been better if I would have hit him. Not that I should have, but like <laughs> I did a, yeah. an equally shitty job just on like the emotional level. You emotionally abused him. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, yeah, that's why, I, dude. I think so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just just a couple pops with the wood with the wooden spoon. Just a little pop pop <laughs> pop pop, and you're good. Yeah. No, this no, isn't no, me. no don't Jesus even leave hand. a mark. Yeah. Don't even leave a mark. Just pop pop. You know? Pro- producer Drew just. Uh, Made had a great idea, which I actually heard on a podcast recently. Uh, shout Don't out. take this idea away from Drew. Well, it's like mine's. Okay, okay, uh, okay, okay. Uh, shout out to This Is Only a Test podcast. Um, one of those dudes, one flying with kids, brings just a little bag of earplugs and hands them out to people around. Yeah, so my- wow. I got a kid. Here you go. Sorry in advance. My aunt, uh, when, we for, when we travel with our- He's four and a half now, but when he was six months, we were traveling to see her in uh, from St. Louis to Oregon, and she was like, she was like, yeah, you guys should do that. Like, you should get like, um, I guess it had happened to her on a flight. There was a kid, you know, new parents, and they gave out these little like treat bags with like, you know, some Hershey kisses and earplugs and like this thing, like this sorry. And I was like, I was telling my wife, I'm like, that's really cool. I think we should do that. And then my wife, and looking back, I'm like, yeah, she's totally right. She was like, fuck that. We're not, you know, it's like we bought a we we bought a ticket. They knew the risk. We deal with it. Before we were kids, we we've been flying since you know for thirty years, and we dealt with people crying. This is the way it is. It's America, you know. I'm sorry. It, it's it's a year, and then it's done. And we're the ones that are gonna feel shitty about it. You know, we feel bad that we're ru- like. And I'm like, you know what? But you are the ones that fuck made those that, people. You are the one that made that human. Fuck you. Fuck Ryan. Fuck Drew. Anybody <laughs> out there without kids? Sorry. Deal with it. Okay. If you have two or less kids, after you have, you get two crying kids, then fuck me. You know what I mean? Then it's my, my fault. S- 
My sister, I, okay, like, not to keep, why are we talking about other people's kids this long with the three of us together? This is I, good. I it's a parenting podcast. But, but parenting podcast, it's another new avenue. Um, uh, my sister has two that are both under two. Oh. And she. Non-twins, her, Irish twins. Uh, it's a comp- very complicated story. The first one is um, adopted. Okay. And the sec- so the second one is eight months behind him. And Damn. it's hers. That's brutal. Yeah. So, oh, so but, they adopted, and then because she, she couldn't have kids, they adopted. No, and no, then... she she can. It, it's complicated. It's a really long s- story, but okay, okay, but okay. N- just know that the first one she's raising, and the second one she actually birthed. Yeah, but anyways, it. her uh, her partner, because they're not married, they're you know co-parenting, yep. boyfriend and girlfriend, not getting married. Sh- he uh, is like hardcore athlete, personal trainer, physical therapist. Tore his. Uh, the tendon away from his like tricep to his elbow, um, all healed That's up. They're flying. Yeah, well, he he. It's all healed up. He had surgery. It's all healed up. They're flying to Florida to our parents for Christmas, and they were going to Canada on a ski trip right before that. First first step off the lift, he goes down and snaps the tendon off the, off it again. Oh, has to have surgery. Oh. They're flying to Florida, so my sister had to deal with the two infants like kind of almost toddler maybe the first one he's like 16 months but anyways with both of them with with uh, her boyfriend had a, bro- a broken wing and couldn't do anything on like the flight stuff i mean he he can but like at some point it's like i can't i can't do anything my arm is in a giant cast right and that's the kind of thing that makes me not parent children <laughs> the end that's good. <laughs> yes. Shout out South <laughs> County Urological uh, for vasectomies here. Can you refer you? Did you know that that that, that when they I come can... to see bad boys, we'll go together. <laughs> you guys, hey, if you guys wait a little bit, I'll get mine done too. We can all solder it's them together. Harder. You got. You need to resolder yours. You know, every two years, you got to go in there. They don't. Yeah. You can, things can drip out, dude. I don't know it's about extreme. every two years, but especially I imagine you having a potent seed, Adam. You got to. You want a couple blocks in that? <laughs> yeah, my sister. You know? She and her boyfriend became team pregnant. So there's. Uh, oh yeah. The force is strong in my family. Babies come out of places. And yeah, shit. the Russells are making. Yeah. Um, it just, just cut off all my balls. Just the whole thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, what all, was it? All my balls, I said. <laughs> uh, little did everyone know it's it's it is out there, but Adam has six balls. Yep. <laughs> They're like, they're did small. you want us to just take two or should we take all six? <laughs> they're like small enough to make it look like a normal situation. <laughs> yeah, like a little cluster. <laughs> but there's six of them in there. Like a crown royal bag full of marbles. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, like a blackberry. Yeah, it's a cluster. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, okay. hey, um, this has been really fun. Uh, I'm really excited for your for your guys' podcast. Just on the hype alone, um, the Instagram uh, follow. If you're not Thank the Maker Pod, um, give it a follow because it's uh, good content. And I yeah, we have... hope that uh, we hope that it's like a cool place for people to just hang and like like chill with us. And and whether you're in the Star Wars or not, I mean, I know it's not that's not going to be the case for everybody. But the fact that we'll have our buddies and other bands and stuff on there, you know, it's just wanted to just be a cool place that's sort of centered around our love of the Star Wars universe. But we're we're excited too. Yeah, and I assume you guys will kind of sneak in. Obviously, like as podcasts do, you'll sneak in other stuff, and it'll you know be kind of slice of life too. In addition yeah, to for sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Ryan, uh, great meeting you, man. Thanks for taking the time. You too, dude. Um, of course. And uh, sorry, you were only you could only see my eyebrows and 
my bed head. Yeah, from what from I what I can see of you, you look very good. Um, Thanks, man. And beautiful. Uh, go ahead and uh, leave me that five star rating. The Jordan Phoenix Show. Thank the Maker Pod. My friends Adam Russell and Ryan Key here. We will see you next week, every Wednesday. 